0: My name is Julie Turney, and this is the HR Sound Off Podcast Show, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent topics and trends as it relates to our professions. We're going to have amazing conversations with HR professionals from all over the world, get to learn their origin stories. How did they get into this profession? What did they love about being here? And how they want to set the record straight on that one misconception that really drives them crazy about our profession. Are you ready? I'm ready. Then let's sound off. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the HR Sound Off podcast show. How is everyone doing today? I hope you're doing great. Remember that HR sound Off is created by an HR professional for HR professionals, magnifying HR voices. And today I am magnifying the voice of Shara Roman. Shara, how
1: are you doing today? I am doing really well. Thank you, Julie. Excited to be here with you.
0: Yes, and it's a pleasure to have you. So why don't we kick off by telling the audience a little bit about yourself, about your HR journey and where you're at right now um, in your story of people experience and being a people architect.
1: Okay. Okay. Lots over there. So, um, uh, so again, thanks Julie for having me. I am, uh, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a business owner. I'm, a, a kind of an immigrant to the United States. Uh, many, many years ago now, I'm originally from India and lived in Nigeria and came here. um, In terms of my uh, HR origin story, I you know I'm probably very much like a lot of HR folks, at least the ones from my generation, where I fell uh, where I fell into HR. I was actually in college and um, thought I wanted to be you know an accountant, a CFO. Thought that was sort of the path that was good with numbers. I thought why not? And um, my the the lady, the HR director who had hired me. Uh, For that accounting role, kept asking, "Are you sure you want to do HR?" I mean, Mm -hmm. sorry, are you sure you want to do accounting? And she'd walk Mm -hmm. by my desk Mm -hmm. every every week. And finally, after you know several months of of reconciling really boring statements, I was finally like, "Yes, Susan, get me out of here." And that was how I (laughs) fell um, into (laughs) HR. Um, She she was you know incredibly uh, smart and strategic and really kind of opened my eyes to. Uh, even back then, you know, a long time ago, sort of in the, the uh, early 90s, late, yeah, it was early 90s, like how you could be strategic in HR, and how you could really sort of think about where the business was and what you could do. And so um, that's kind of how I ended up there and ended up, you know, just uh, moving into different roles with with different leaders over the course of my career. But in 2016, I left the corporate side of of HR, and I started yeah. my own consulting business, Mm -hmm. And we really work at the intersection of people, strategy, and culture. And uh, so essentially, you know, what I do today is I lead a team of about 10 people, and we consult on uh, helping leaders assess their current state, you know, kind of where are they, what's getting in the way of them achieving their strategy, and Mm -hmm. helping them design strategies to attract and retain a diverse workforce. And that looks like everything from culture design, diversity, equity, inclusion, leadership coaching, workshops, team building, and everything in between.
0: I love it. Thank you so much for sharing, Shara. There's so many things I love about what you've shared with us. The, first of all, the way you started to explain yourself. You explained yourself as a human being first.
1: Because
0: yeah. um, I find a lot of times, you know, we explain ourselves as, you know, this is our role, this is where we work, this is that's not who makes up the sum of who we are as a human being. And so thank you for, for sharing that with us. I think you must be, as you said, one of those many people that I've interviewed that says, well, I fell into HR, but also a lot of, of the people that I've interviewed over the last couple months have been in that space of starting in accounting first and uh. then like, get me out of here and let me transition to something else. But we know numbers are important for the business. And so we don't shy away from, from understanding the numbers because they help us to be strategic, right? But I love that you've started your your own practice, stepped away from corporate HR. And I think a lot of times, um, a lot of my audience and also a lot of my clients, a lot of the people who are in my HR community are at that intersection of, should, is my time with corporate HR up? Is my time with hr all together, and everything that you're doing sounds a lot like you're doing the stuff that you really love now, am I right?
1: yeah, absolutely, absolutely, because when I sort of landed that head of h r job that I thought was sort of what I coveted and what I you know thought would be my pinnacle, I actually realized that I was really unhappy mm-hmm. and I, there were always you know, in all the jobs I've had as as great as they might have been, I was always sort of um, looking for something new, right? and I was always sort of searching and and I always thought that that was just because i I just wanted to which is true, that I wanted to sort of just have new experiences. But when I actually did land that job, um, I loved parts of it, right? I loved the strategy part. I loved being a part of the executive team where I could really, you know, understand the business, influence what was going on. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I really did not enjoy and quite frankly, Julie, could not care less if I ever did another compensation cycle, another open enrollment, uh, you know, if I had to sort of um, deal with escalation of issues, um, you know, and it's not that I don't I mean I think those are important but they're not something that gives me any joy or um or you know uses my skills quite frankly in the right way and even though I had t- a team of people doing all of it you mm-hmm. still are accountable for it yes, right exactly. and um that is of absolutely no interest to me now of course being in a business I still have to do stuff I don't like right like the bills got to get paid and uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to collect the money and you got to write <laughs> contracts and You know, one of these days I will... You
0: content for your financials. (laughs) Yes,
1: yes. So, you know, there's always stuff you don't like, but there is more in this role as being a business owner and, you know, working kind of at this intersection of people's strategy and culture that gives me a lot of joy and, you know, is just really fun. Yes,
0: I love that. And I totally agree with you because I find for from my own personal experience to, um, coming out of corporate and go coming out of corporate doing my own thing now, yes, there are things that I don't like to do that I have to do. Um, but I love what I do more now than I did then. And I think I totally agree in the sense of, you know, there are so many things in the wheelhouse that makes up HR that we, we could do, um, that we love. And then the things that, you know, we don't, like to do. And I think like you, I'm very much in the same. I'm aligned with you on the things that you don't like. I don't like them either. (laughs) I'm not a fan of employee relations at all, but you know, those are the things that you have to be, you have to be held accountable for even when you have a team, as you said. Um, I am not a fan of anything that relates to benefits and just trying to, you know, open source those benefits and all that kind of stuff or the compensation piece and creating, you know, job groups or creating salary bands, that kind of stuff. Those yes, things yes. do not, I don't enjoy them. I don't find joy in them, but kudos to all of you people out there in compensation and benefits and in rewards and recognition and all of you ER people, IR people, kudos to you guys. Uh, we exactly. definitely need you. We definitely need you. So, Let's talk a little bit about your your company and what's bringing you joy in the work that you're doing
1: right now. Um, Well, you know, I think the biggest thing is that the work that we do creates impact in organizations. And one of the reasons I started the business and actually one of the reasons I wrote a book that I wrote last year is that I wanted us to um, really rethink how work is being done, our current work structures, And kind of all of the dynamics within it, and so um, you you know, we our our work structures, our organizations, our hierarchies are all sort of built off of the 1950s. You know, Mm -hmm. nothing has really sort of come. You know, we've changed things for sure, but we've we've sort of changed. uh, We we haven't really changed the symptomatic or the systemic things, right? And so I, you know, I have two kids. One's 20. One's 17. And I really want them and their generation to have. Amazing workplaces where they can really thrive, where they can do their best work, where they yeah. can be valued for the skills and contributions they have, mm-hmm. and not all of our workplaces today do that. So, what brings me joy is working with leaders um, that are are open to that idea, that want to do that, that are seeking us out to say, "Hey, help us!" You know, we mm-hmm. really want to um, create a culture where everyone can thrive. We really want to create a much more diverse and inclusive workplace. We want to be able to elevate women and people of color and and you know those who identify as lgbtq plus and all of those mm-hmm. um, other you know marginalized groups yes. and um so that's what i really enjoy and mm-hmm. uh, you know also the world is changing so fast right you know if we think about i mean just the course of my 25 years so much has changed but just in the last 5 to 7 years you, you know we've gone from the me too movement to the pandemic mm-hmm. to ai and that is like a constant yeah. Yes. Uh, sort of churn, right, that we've got to keep yep. up with as yep. as HR leaders, as consultants, as as uh, practitioners. Um, so all of that is super exciting and, uh, you know, I think has a lot of positives and then, of course, has some negatives, particularly as we think about culture and we think about diversity, equity, and inclusion.
0: This is really an exciting time to be in HRA, absolutely. I think so. Whether yeah. you're whether you're in corporate or you're external to it, there's just a lot of stuff that's happening. And I feel like things that we thought would have taken another maybe five, 10 years to develop in HR are coming at rapid pace. And I feel a lot of that has happened because of the pandemic. So now- Coming out of that, we've had to move at a pace that we've never had to move at before. Uh, But we are now seen as thought leaders, as change makers, as impact makers in the organization. And so the work that you are doing with organizations truly is vital as a sweet spot um, to help organizations really have a full glance of what potential they have to create great workplaces. So we really need that. But you said, you're an author. Yes. Tell us a little bit about your book, because I see you're are, are an award-winning author.
1: So yes. tell us
0: about your book.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So uh, the book is called The Conscious Workplace, Fortify Your Culture to Thrive in Any Places. And, um, you know, really, it's, it's a book that talks about a little bit about my experience in the work world. Um, but more importantly, it also pulls in uh, research that we've done about organizations that, that, that do this well, that really are intentional about building great organizational cultures, mm-hmm. and our client experiences that we've had. And so it's really a, a compilation and sort of very much a very easy read. Yeah. Uh, I wanted a book that was uh, something that you could read on a cross-country flight, you know, and mm-hmm. just flip through. You don't have to read it cover to cover. You can sort of pick up a chapter and read it. But I I thought it would be a great way, and it has been, to to, to just really start and facilitate a conversation around around sort of all of this, right? What does the future of work look like? And what are those components of a conscious workplace? And they really boil down to four things um, that we found sort of in all of the research and in in the organizations that we've worked with that are doing things well. First of all, the organizations have a North Star. They're very clear. They have a purpose. They have a North Star. And they link that purpose and that North Star um, and bring in people who who really jive with that, right? And that they're connecting sort of the, the employees in a purpose to the company's purpose. Um, secondly, they really focus on creating community within the organization. So it's a place where people can come, where they can thrive where they are, um, you know, they have sort of micro communities, and they have macro communities. And they're mm-hmm. also connecting the community of the organization to the community in which the the organization and the people live. So that there's really this sort of sense of, um, you know, bonding, and that people care for each other and take and, and look out for each other and, and help mm-hmm. each other. Um, the third, third one is around nurturing talent. And this is really, you know, leaning into sort of the the uh, human centered workplace, it's about mm-hmm. leaning into empathy and curiosity, recognizing that as a leader, you don't have all the answers, and you right. don't need to have all the answers, right? That the power is actually in, in leveraging the talent that you have. And Being sort of that facilitator to, to maximize the potential that everyone um, has on your team and in the organization. And then the final um, piece that we, that we discovered in the research is really fostering an ownership mentality.
0: Mm -hmm. And that is,
1: um, certainly that, that has an element around, um, you know, stock options and profit sharing, but really ownership is about how do you distribute power in your organization? How do you yeah. distribute decision making? How do you really allow people to be um, uh, autonomous and make decisions for themselves that make sense for the company? And so you want people to be able to, uh, you know, work where they want and when they want and how they want. And what you can tell them is what needs to be done and when it needs to be done, but the rest needs to be really left up to them. That. So that's, mm-hmm. um, you know, really kind of the four Key key ideas from the book, along with really how do you how do you foster uh, this sense of belonging through through doing all of that?
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. So I will make sure that I include the link in the notes so that thank you audience will be able to grab a copy of your book, and I also need to grab a copy myself. (laughs) I I love that because that last piece also ties to how do we create an organization that is psychologically safe. And I love how you put it in terms of how do we distribute the power in a way that people feel empowered to do good work, but that they own it, you know, for themselves. And I also like the part where you mention about the organization being a part of a community, because I think, and Simon Sinek says this all the time, you know, that um, when you hear organizations talk about being family, it kind of feels fake. But when you say we're a community and we have a shared set of beliefs and a shared set of values, And even though we have disagreements and we may not agree on everything, we respect each other. and We value what everyone brings to the table. And that's what community is all about. So um, I definitely, you're definitely speaking all of my languages and I definitely will be um, picking up a copy of of your book for sure. I want to ask you, if you mind, just giving some advice to our audience who are listening today in terms of, any fears or apprehensions that people may be feeling about making that transition from corporate to being, to owning their own business and consulting, what things got you through this process? You've been here for a while. Um, and what things you think that they could do to kind of like get over the barriers and move forward?
1: Yeah, that's a really great question. Um so I think if you're really looking to make that make that switch, you know, first of all, believe in yourself, and uh, believe in yourself, believe in your experiences, believe in your capabilities, and really trust your gut. You mm-hmm. know, if you're if you're if you're feeling that uh, the organization that you're in, that you know, you've kind of really come to the end of your learning and development, that you feel that there is you can contribute in a different way that you're not really being allowed to or, or not even allowed to, but that just isn't sort of able, you're not able to in the organization, then then go out and and, and experiment. Um, you know, I sort of looked at it when I made the shift of what's the worst that can happen? Mm. I fail. I mean, if I fail and I do miserably and I don't get a single client and I can't pay my bills, well, I'll just go back and get a job, yeah. you know, um, because there were, You know, there's, there's always sort of that opportunity to do that. And um, I, I tend to be one that um, is a little bit less fearful, maybe than others, I I have a very strong sense of, of, um, of of sense and belief and and courage. And I, you know, I really do sort of pursue my, my heart. Um, Yes. But and I know not everybody is sort of in there. And I know that not everybody, you know, maybe has the the, the financial ability to do that. I was really lucky that my husband, yeah. um, you know, had a had a job and we, we had our benefits taken care of because um, in the U.S., you know, there's no sort of uh, universal health care for people. Yeah. Um, and he really was a support system. And so the other thing I would say is, um, you know, really build a support system for yourself. You probably have one. Um, but make sure that you formally kind of create a board of directors and I'm putting it in quotes because they don't actually have to be a board of directors for your company, but they're going to be that, you know, group of cheerleaders, that group of sounding board for you, um, you know, someone to, to, to get you off the cliff when you're, you know, you're sort of really frustrated and, and, you know, you're not sure sort of where to go. Um. And if you're not one to sort of just jump out and, and do it, you know, you can do it slowly, right? You can start right. to think about what is the value that you're going to bring to the, to the world that is different than what um, is sort of currently out there. Like, what's that niche that you're filling that you can really bring yeah. your best talents to bear? Mm-hmm. Um, think about what you want to do, what you don't want to do. Like, that is really important. That was something else that I felt that I got good advice on. That mm-hmm. they, in the beginning I got these um, offers, you know, for for project work or whatever that really yeah. didn't gel with my with with my goals of what I yeah. wanted to do, yeah. and they didn't fall into that intersection of people, strategy, and culture, and so mm-hmm. I turned them down. You know, yeah. I would tell the person, "Hey, you know, Julie, I'm happy to help you. This is not something that's in my uh, that that I want to do. That's in my sort mm-hmm. of uh, you know my sort of virtuous circle." but mm-hmm. I'm happy to help connect you to other people. I'm you know, ha- happy to help in any way, but this is not yes. something that um, I want to personally take on. And yeah. actually it built a lot of credibility. First of all, it gave me a lot of power, right? To say yes. power, not in a bad way, but just making me feel empowered and, yes. and confident um, yes. to, to say, hey, this is what I want to do. This is what I not want to do. I don't want to do. But the people that I also said that to, realize that I was very serious about the focus the area that the work that I wanted to do. So, yeah. so those would be some of the things I would advise folks and Hey, have fun. You know, at the moment you're not having fun, mm-hmm. then you need to take a step back and and realize maybe Thank I you need to move it. in a different direction. Yeah.
0: Yes, I love all of that advice that you gave. Um, super powerful in the ability to be able to say no or like, this is not, my thing is, I usually say like, this is not my wheelhouse, it's not my wheelhouse, but I do have some connections that I could put you onto. Um, and that really is empowering. The moment that I could say that and not think about, okay, well, I do need this money. I do have these bills to pay, you know, type of thing. And maybe I should just take it on and do it. But then I think of the disservice I'm going to do to the client because I'm doing stuff exactly. I don't like, and so. For me, that's, um, that's huge <clears throat> to be able to do and say that, uh, the other thing I love that you said was, you know, have fun. I think a lot of times and understanding your why, like, why, yeah. why are you creating this business? This, this is a question that I ask people all the time. Like, why, why do you want to go be an entrepreneur or at this stage, be a sole trader? Um, we become entrepreneurs when the business can go on without us. Until then, we are just, you know, soul traders um, trying to build a business. or build. But why? Understand your why. Um, And I think the moment that you understand the why behind what you're doing and understand that you're doing the stuff that you actually love makes all the difference in the world. So I really appreciate that advice. And I'm sure that our audience appreciates it too. Thank you for sharing. Now, being as busy as you are in this <laughs> space as a business owner, what do you do to take care of yourself, Shara?
1: Yeah, um, the million dollar question. Well, I really do make it a point to spend time with my, with my girlfriends, um, you know, just having a glass of wine, going out to dinner, whatever it happens to be, like that just really uh, recharges me. I love the beach, so anytime I can put my my toes in the sand and the water, um, unfortunately, I don't live as close to the beach as I would would like to. I mean, literally, I would like the ocean at my doorstep, but I am not there yet. Um, but but anytime I can get to get to water, get to the beach, that is yeah. what I what I try to do, and um, I like to watch shows that are just. Um, You know, interesting and funny and they don't have to be sort of like, uh, you know, some sort of uh, critical drama or anything like that. Sometimes I just want to be able to to just escape, you know, I just want to escape and enjoy what is happening around me. Um, mm-hmm. and the other thing, um, and, and I, I, I go through these spurts of doing, doing it very regularly. And then I sort of get so busy, I get distracted, but I love getting a massage, like a really deep mm-hmm. tissue massage. Yes. Um, honestly, there is nothing that is like medicine all wrapped mm-hmm. up in, in, in sort of 90 <laughs> minutes. Right. Um, but then I just, a friend of mine gave me as a gift, um, uh a, a, re, a reflexology um gift Ooh. gift certificate and i had had it done before but this woman that i go to is amazing
0: wow. and honestly
1: it's just like having a deep tissue massage but it's very different you know in the sense like the the ending the experience mm-hmm. you have at the end is the same so you know just having a way to sort of release that tension physically yeah. as well is is good and then i i um I do really try to exercise I have been um, you know over the last few years just trying to figure out kind of what is good for me and how do I do that and I have now found an amazing uh, class that I do three times a week and um, it's it's perfect for me
0: yeah beautiful those are great ways of taking care of yourself Um, in moments that you tap into other people in terms of like being with friends being on your own, taking good care of your body, listening to your body and your mind. Um, Beautiful. I love the sea. I love the ocean and I live on a beautiful island, so Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm to make it my habit to get to the sea. Actually, I just came out of the sea. So I was like, I was remembering my sea bath this morning. (laughs) It was beautiful. Yeah. Um, So yeah, being able to do those kind of things really does make all the difference in terms of taking care of your mind and your body and your soul. So thank you for sharing that. So tell us, what are you reading, watching, listening to right now that you think our audience would appreciate?
1: Well, actually, I'm a little sad in terms of what I'm watching. So I was a big fan of Succession, Ted Lasso, and The Marvelous yes! Mrs. Maisel. And they all just ended. <laughs> so I don't, I've never watched Ms. Maisel, oh. but I
0: absolutely love Ted Lasso because one of my guests, you guys are awesome, by the way, but you come, <laughs> you give me all of these resources, and then I go out and try them. I am, yeah, I am really sad about Ted Lasso.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that was amazing. And if you haven't watched Succession, I mean, it's actually quite the opposite of Ted Lasso. Okay, so success, Succession is the opposite of everything that we have talked about <laughs> on this on this call today, right? Because it is the worst of capitalistic greed, um, just uh, backstabbing, family drama just I mean I can't even think of all the words this morning like, but it is it is a workplace toxicity at its best family Ugh. toxicity at its best but wow. it is an incredibly gripping um four seasons I think it's four seasons um mm-hmm. it is uh just the character arcs are amazing um, you know, you're always sort of on, on edge in terms of what's going to happen, but it gives you like so much fodder for all of the things that we should not be doing in the workplace, you know? Wow. Um, so that's another one And the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I just, I just love that. It was just, um, yeah, the fashion, the jokes, the stories. So those two that you haven't watched, I would absolutely go, um, Check go watch those. Yeah. yeah.
0: Someone recommended Ted Lasso to me and I binge watched every single episode till I caught up. Uh And when it finished, I was like, no.
1: I cannot believe
0: Yeah. Yeah. But guys, if you have not checked out Ted Lasso, you definitely need to, you'll be wearing your HR hat every every minute through it, but you will love every minute of it. Thank you for for sharing that. Yeah. The big question. And your final question, what is the biggest misconception about HR that really bothers you that you want to set the record straight on right here, right now?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that um, people tend to think that HR people are people people, therefore they're not smart at what they do and they have no clue about business. And that is, you know, absolutely not true. Um, And I, partly what happens is that we spend so much time trying to knock down those microaggressions around our, um, and our biases about our profession, that it's really exhausting and it doesn't allow us to really bring the best of what we can bring to the table. Mm. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day... First of all, not all HR people are people, people, you know, many of them are folks that really understand the business that um, want to understand it deeper, that -hmm. are really thinking about that intersection of how can I take my business strategy and how do I really curate the right experience so that the people we bring to the, to the, to the organization can really do their best for the organization at the end of the day, that is what we're trying to do in HR, whether it is through compensation or benefits or, you know, fostering employee relations or creating the right culture, whatever it is we're trying to do, right. That is essentially what we're trying to do. And, um, you know, people need to sort of really give the profession the respect that it deserves. Um, I think the pandemic has certainly helped that because many, many HR leaders were at the table. Yes. Um, but I still hear to this day, you know, Oh, yeah. those kind of those little jokes and those quips, Oh, you're HR, like, are you going to tell on me? And I'm like, first of all, I'm a business owner, I'm a CEO, I'm a consultant. And why would you even say that to me or yes. to anybody else? You know? Um, yeah. so anyway, that's just like really uh, a pet peeve. And I would hope that, um, Uh, You know, if you are in HR, I think it's an opportunity to educate whoever you're working with and, uh, you know, help them sort of understand what what you do and and why you do it. And uh, if you're not in HR and you're listening to it, just stop it. Stop it. Stop it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I totally agree with you. That is a that is a what drives you crazy if there was anything that drove me crazy it will be it will be that um i i always say if i have to spend most of my day actually explaining to you and justifying to you what i do then i'm not in the right organization
1: yes exactly
0: but it's unfortunate that most organizations globally are that way um i don't know how we change this But I believe that it starts with us as HR believing in who we are and that what we do does have value and that we do deserve to work in organizations that do get it. And even if they're not 100% on the bus, that they at least are willing to take the bus pass and go for the ride. You know
1: what I mean? Yes, I do. I do.
0: And I feel like so often we have this, problem of trying to it's like being in a relationship a very toxic relationship you know the guy doesn't like you but (laughs) some reason you just keep hanging on because you're in you're holding out in hope that someday he's gonna love you
1: but all he wants
0: is your money or your you know your body or whatever it's not that's not what you want. You want someone who appreciates you and understands you and gets you wholly and solely. And when you find that relationship, then you go, yes, now I know I've got a good man, right. Or a good woman. Um, the With an organization, it's the same thing. Right. And I don't think that you should, I don't think you should compromise if that's what you want. So like, yes, a question I would ask you, Shara, um, and uh-huh. someone asked me this question a couple a couple years back, and it really resonated with me. So if you think about who Shara is today and who Shara was at the beginning of your HR career, and, and I came to you and I said, Shara, I really would love for you to take this job, you know, as our chief people officer, you know, we have a lot, of work that needs to be done, but I feel you could dig your heels in and give us what we need uh, to get our leaders on the bus. Versus, if I came to you and I said, "Shara, I would love for you to be our head of people, and you know, help take us our organization into the next evolution in terms of transforming our people and our, our operations." We're all here. We don't quite have an understanding about how to do it, but we're open to whatever you bring to help us move it forward. Which organization would you go
1: for? Well, I would certainly go with the second one right for yes. of course, right yes. because you you want that you want the organization that is um wanting you to be a partner in terms of taking the organization to to the next level, but I do think that early in in our career, certainly early in my career, I may have been more not more inclined if I had a choice, I would always take the the second one right. But early in my career, I might have been tempted or swayed to take that first one because to your point about sort of the, uh, you know, the, the boyfriend or girlfriend that's not so good for you, that mm-hmm. you, um, you know, you sort of really, I, I think at least I was uh, much more um, willing to, to to think that I could persuade and change yes. I- individuals. To, to I can you change you. I can make you do it. I can. I can. I will be the one. And I mean, there's a little there, There's a little bit of naivete in that. There's a little bit of um, you know, arrogance to a certain extent. Yeah. There's a little bit of um, you know, just really not being true to your why and and sort of uh recognizing your value as as a professional. Um, and I do hope now that you know people are sort of taking the time as they pick jobs or as they go out to to do business for themselves, whatever that might be, that they are being a little bit more thoughtful about, you know, what is my why, right? Why am I doing this? How am I going to help? And what are the people around who are, who am I surrounding myself with? And don't get caught up with the money or the benefits and and things like that, that tend to sway us, right? I mean, it happens to all of us.
0: Yes, definitely. Thank you for sharing that. Such great advice. This has been a wonderful conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time to join me today to share your story and your experiences with our audience. Can you tell the beautiful people listening to this episode today where they can find you on social media if they would love to learn more about you or maybe even engage in your services?
1: Yeah, so thanks for that question, Julie. Uh, I, the best place to reach me is actually on LinkedIn. Uh, very easy to find. Uh, so it's just Shara Roman, S H A A R A R O M A N. You type that into your little search field and I'll pop up. That is, you know, probably the number one place. And then, of course, uh, everyone's welcome to to visit both my websites. I have a website for the business, which is silveringgroup.com and uh, S I L V E R E N E G R O U P. .com. And then the second one is my book website, which is really my first and last name. Mm-hmm. Uh, so com, And those are the best ways um, to, to get a hold of me.
0: Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And with that being said, Shower Roma, you have survived your time in the sound booth today. I want to thank you for joining me for this episode. And I wish you every success as you continue to develop, grow your beautiful business and your career. And don't be a stranger. You're welcome back anytime. If you decide to write that second book, let me know. <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> all right, Julie. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's been really a fun conversation. You're yeah.
0: Thank you for joining me for this episode of HR Sound Off. I hope that you found it useful. You can find this and all other episodes of HR Sound Off on all major podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, you name it, we're there. Remember, HR Sound Off is created by HR professionals for HR professionals. If you would like to share your story, then reach out to us and let us know. Make sure to hit the notification bell and subscribe to HR Sound Off on YouTube as well as Podbeam. And we'll see you again when we next sound off.